Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello and welcome back to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, hosting alongside Lucas, Jared, Bart, and Aiden. We're, today we're going to be talking about the AFC and NFC Championship games and Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn staying and possibly upgrading in Dallas. But before we do that, we're going to talk about some news that we won't do a deep dive in. The Texans hired D'Amico Ryan to be their new head coach uh, today as we're recording it. It is a six-year deal. Uh, pretty impressive. I know a lot of people love D'Amico. J.J. Watt already had some really good comments about him already. But to me, personally, it feels like an impressive hire. I'm a huge fan of it. I've been rooting for him to have a head coaching job all year. I loved him when he played for the Eagles for a little bit. And I I mean, he's done great things for the mm-hmm. 49ers defense. So he's somebody I'm like very actively rooting for to succeed. For sure. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, Sean Payton has been dealt. The Broncos traded their 2023 first rounder from Miami. It was a deal when they sent Bradley Chubb to Miami. They got a first rounder back. Um, so they send it. They send that pick over to the Saints. Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton in a vacuum. Pretty good deal if you ask me. What does everybody else <laughs> think? It's a that. huge thing. Like a, I don't know. Is a lot of people like declined interviewing with the Broncos further. So I don't know. It almost feels like. A lot of people kind of bailed out on Russ other than Sean Payton, so we'll see what he can do. But I don't know. Kind of interesting. Well, I'm sure a 10-year, $250 million contract probably eases the pain a little bit. And that's not the official number, but I imagine we're somewhere close to there. He's going to be getting $25 million a year. Um, more shuffling. The Commanders, Ravens, Titans all requested an interview with Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. I read an article today, too, that said the Cowboys might be somewhere in the mix for him as well. but. Um, he, he has not been a play caller for Kansas City at all, but this could be his chance, and then maybe he will emerge as a head coaching candidate once again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Especially if he can get his hands on pro bowler Tyler Huntley for the Ravens, who <sighs> uh, only threw two touchdowns this year and has been announced as an alternate because apparently everybody else is unavailable. They're booked this weekend. Mm-hmm. What do we think, Bart? Hey, I think it's outrageous. If you've ever needed, this is yeah the umpteenth example of how meaningless the Pro Bowl is. But mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it, he's really good at flag football and he was recruited for that. Exactly, you, know, you, never, you never know. Not good at tackle football, but it's it's supposed to be more appealing for players to not go out there and get hurt at all because it's flag football mm-hmm. and nobody is available, which feels really weird. Maybe it's almost having like the reverse effect of like if I get hurt in a flag football game. <laughs> Like, that just seems so much worse, so I'm just not going to play. I played in a flag football league for a little bit, and I remember thinking, if I have to go to work and tell them that, like, I tore my ACL during a flag football game and I couldn't come in the next day, I, I'd feel pretty bad about talking to them. I know people who have done it. Uh, I, have people, I have friends who have done it, and I just was always like, God, if I get hurt today, it's going to be just a you bad You can't go to the games thinking around. about getting hurt. <laughs> That's why you didn't play. You would you played way better if you didn't. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was the enforcer. <laughs> the enforcer. 
That league was intense. <laughs> that league was way too intense for me. It was an intense league. Um, a lot of guys. There's a guy who was the fourth string Atlanta Falcons quarterback at one point. I remember. I only saw him like three or four. Basically, times, Tyler Huntley. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> he was a uh, Josh Johnson. Basically, from the yeah, exactly. yeah. from the <laughs> NFC Championship. Madden, a Madden created character that. <laughs> I'm not sure he exists outside of the football field. <laughs> yeah, right. You just go home and, you, and that's it. <clears throat> Over this last weekend, uh, there were some football games played, the AFC and NFC Championship game. The Chiefs end up winning uh, against the Bengals in their fourth straight revenge game. And also the Eagles stomp the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. So we'll get an Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, no controversy whatsoever in either of those games, right, guys? Jared, have the Chiefs earned the title? Of the kings of the AFC? I mean, what do you want me to say to this? So, like, kings of the AFC, I, I think for sure. Like, they've made it to five straight AFC <laughs> championship games at this point. So they've played for the right of that title multiple times. And it kind of reminds you of the Patriots making eight straight, I want to say, AFC title games uh, at the start mm-hmm. of the 2010s. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to say they don't earn, they didn't earn the title as the kings of the AFC. And I think that what they've done previously and built on definitely should be accounted for, but the refereeing was very suspect and they need to fix that in the Super Bowl. There's a play late in the game, uh, or like third, second half at least. Bengals are backed up in their own end zone. Jarbell got hit like well after the play, no roughing the passer, which is insane considering what other stuff has been called roughing the passer this year. Obviously there was the phantom whistle, which gave the Chiefs another third down, which, which is crazy. Like, how can you not hear a whistle when the Chiefs are on offense? Like, I get Arrowhead is louder and everything. The Chiefs are on offense. It shouldn't be loud at that point. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, obviously, they didn't score on that drive. But I think in a game that's that close, the cumulative effect of those calls can make a little bit of a difference on the defense. And they just they really need to get that straightened out, I think, for the Super Bowl. That's all I have to say about that game. It was, t- it was tough to watch. Yeah. Because it's not like even, I don't, I, I'm not going to like be like the NFL is scripted and rigged. Because like, I think that's just like bad energy. Like, and I'm generally not a fan of like blaming refereeing for losses. And I'm not even going to completely do it here. Like the Bengals still had an easy chance to win that game. There were some like incompetent calls, I would say, like over the course of that game too. Like even on Sky Moore's big return at the end, there's a pretty egregious missed block in the back and I don't know I mean every I know every football play probably is kind of bizarre that we miss if you nitpick little details but I mean the phantom third down and then the call the holding third and then it's just like I don't know I just am really anti-chiefs now because of Nick Wright um, that is the sole reason. So fair, I just want to push fair. any narrative that's anti-chiefs. I'm also anti-chiefs because I'm a big Eagles fan and I want them to lose in the Super Bowl um, for that reason. But yeah, I mean, th- there was some pretty suspect officiating in like an incompetent way. Like, a, you know, not in any sort of like the NFL is trying to get a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl or whatever way. I don't. <clears throat> you say that, and I agree with you to an extent about like not wanting to claim rigged or whatever. But honestly, and this, this applies to the NBA too, it seems sometimes like leagues don't do as much as they could easily to improve the quality of refereeing which is always what makes me think like you could raise referees like salaries for example you could do more to review referees and penalize them for making bad calls there are a number of things that could be done and leagues just don't do them the nfl and the nba both so like that's what makes me kind of wonder like "Mm, 
are we so sure that the NFL isn't saying, yeah, you know, you can lean towards one team or another? I just feel like it's it's frustrating. But if we're going back to watch the film, just to watch a block in the a phantom block in the back call on a punt return, I think we've lost grip with reality because we did the <laughs> same thing last year about how the rules weren't fair and everything was in favor of Kansas City when Buffalo had an equal chance to win the game on defense and they didn't and then now they changed <laughs> that's the not how any of that works why no, we're not going to read because that's exactly that that how we, the season is saying that's that. exactly it doesn't how make the any sense we've had this argument already because Kansas it's City a bad faith got, argument. won the coin flip against um Kansas City won the coin flip against Cincinnati and Cincinnati's defense made a stop but when Buffalo loses, it's like, it's so unfair. No, what I'm saying is that you guys, For viewers you guys who can't see right now, my eyes are in the back of my rules. head rolled back. You guys want to pick and choose these situations and rules and say that, like, Kansas City was clearly favored at some point. During, during the, the phantom third and nine, they punted on that drive. They didn't even get a field goal on that drive. It's not like that was a major influence in the game. Kansas City or Cincinnati still had plenty of time with uh, two minutes left to go and score. And what else was there a bad call about? Was it the obvious late, uh, late out-of-bounds hit to end the game? Was it the obvious it was, Eli Apple hold? I mean, like, there the calls... the obvious hold on that last play that wasn't called for instance. <clears throat> tomato, tomato. It was egregious. And, and but then, you can go through and you can watch the replay and go, well, they missed that and they missed that and they missed that. But you can't have it both ways. You can't have a close game where referees and penalties don't play a part in the outcome. Um, because the opposite that we've had so far this playoffs is the huge blowouts where none of it matters. But obviously teams who don't get penalized or get penalized less win the games often between two equal matchups, which was Cincinnati and Kansas City. So I'm not going to buy the narrative as you guys t- continue to try to dethrone Kansas City on every t- chance you get. Because I'll tell you what, the, the Buffalo Bills dynasty is over, despite what anybody else thinks. The, the Cincinnati Bengals dynasty, it's what? over because the dynasty for the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> is going right now. What are you talking about? It's not. No, but, it's not but you guys at every turn, at every single time, when we do the power rankings, I was the only one who said that it was crazy That's to put exactly Buffalo at the number one. <laughs> I would, every single time we saw Kansas City, maybe they're the third best team or the fourth best team. If I wasn't picking in the top two, they weren't getting picked. Right? I was the only one who said that. And here we are again, repeating the same conversations that we had last year about how Kansas City got all the help they needed when, in fact, they didn't. They won the game because they're better. And they're the kings. They can be really good and also get helped by referees. <laughs> yes, both can be true. None either or. But, yeah, you, you deserve credit for always picking them high. I'll give you that. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox on that note. Um, so we're going to go to the NFC and talk about the Eagles against the 49ers. Not exactly a great game. Um, I don't think anybody would put that adjective to it. Um, have the Eagles proven enough to say that they're the favorites going into the championship, into the Super Bowl? Jared, I'm going to come back to you. Um, I mean, look, they have been really good this entire season. It's kind of, you're, you're always going to go, I at least, Keep going back to the same excuse or whatever that you the narrative that you'd want to spin during the regular season that they didn't really play anybody. Uh, they did have the easiest schedule in the NFL in the regular season. They beat Danny Danny Deadlift uh, with the Giants and Brock Purdy slash Jones Johnson so far. It's not like the most impressive win for them, and I mean I think it is super like the Chiefs Eagles is very closely matched, but with Mahomes it's like. 
okay, there's like almost no doubt that he's going to show up and have a good game. And with Hurts, it's like, well, there's like a little, just a little bit of doubt because he hasn't, I haven't like really seen him go toe-to-toe with like one of the, a- did he did he play any of like the AFC, best AFC quarterbacks this year? No. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> okay. No this Burrow, is- no Josh Allen, no even yeah. Herbert or Tua. Yeah, so that would be, that's kind of like the one thing that would like give you pause to say, to like bet against Mahomes, I guess. Um, but that being said, they're not going to face a 49ers level defense uh, with the Chiefs. Chiefs are good at defense, but they're not the, they're not the 49ers. So. And Jalen Hurts has like diced up defenses this entire year. So, well, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't put the Eagles as the favorites just because the Chiefs have been, but that's just me. I think it's really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's fairly close as well. The only thing that like I think prevents me from definitively saying the Eagles are the favorites is that basically Mahomes' X factor, the Mahomes magic of him having been there, him doing what he does, and like these type of games. Um, but that being said, like I think the Eagles have very clearly like the better overall roster. They've in much better defense. They have much better offensive weapons. Like, I don't think Mahomes is going to be able to dice up with the weapons that he has and the way he did against the Bengals. And even if they play against, like, the way they did against the Bengals, the Eagles, like, I know it's like, yes, the Eagles beat the 49ers because Josh Johnson was playing, but they also scored 31 points on the best defense in the NFL. Like, I don't think that that is nothing. And the Chiefs have a significantly worse defense than the 49ers did. So, like, I think that there's like a fair amount of reason to believe the Eagles are the favorite because while I think their defense won't be able to stop Mahomes because nobody can, I think they can slow down that offense to in a way that other teams might not because of how effective they've been all year. And I think their offense is like has been top five in the NFL all year, and they're playing a worse defense than they did this past yeah. week. So I think like you look at all that as a whole. Like I think the Eagles, like if you look at the matchups, the only matchup where I think they don't have an advantage is at quarterback play, but Mahomes is still hurt, and Hurts has been a top five quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, he probably will be the runner-up for the MVP this year, so it's not as big a gap, especially because Mahomes is hurt. What was so weird about that 49ers-Eagles game was that no one on the Eagles really had a great offensive game. You know, like Hurts <laughs> threw for like 120 yards. No one rushed for over 50. They still managed to put up 31. So I feel like to some degree it was just about where they were helped a lot by field position and the fact that the 49ers were so anemic. I'm not sure it's like a total reflection on the 49ers defense breaking down. Um, but it definitely does feel like, yeah, the the toughest defense is they've faced. And so we'll see. I also think there is, while you're right, Lucas, that most you can't really slow down Mahomes that much. He did. He did get like he was like not. He, I mean, he obviously had a lot of great plays and a lot of drops in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. But if you have a good defensive coordinator, which the Eagles have had, obviously, a good defense this year, if you have two weeks, maybe they can scheme up something. You know, that's gonna that's gonna really slow them down. That that I feel like I've never seen another Mahomes performance that bad. I'm sure statistically there might be something out there, but that's probably one mm-hmm. of the worst games he's ever played in the NFL. They scored nine points. Yeah, <laughs> no touch. I mean, and the Eagles have one of the best defensive fronts ever. Like, they're the third most stacks of any team. They're the first team ever to have four guys with 10-plus stacks, and they just have, like, such depth, especially in, like, the middle of their defensive line. Like, they have Jordan Davis. 
They have Sue. They have Laval Joseph. They like like just in that area alone, they're super deep. And they have Hassan Reddick, who I think was kind of snubbed for DPOY type stuff. They have Brandon Graham. They have Josh Sweat. Like they just have so such a good defensive front. Like I think they're gonna be able to get to Mahomes throughout the game. Um, and then their secondary is excellent as well. Like Maddox, especially being back, is huge. But Slay and Bradbury in the corner. I like. They're just top to bottom, like, I think the most talented roster in the NFL. And, like, again, like, I think the only matchup that favors the Chiefs over the Eagles is that quarterback. But I think it's, like, based on Mahomes' injury and how well Hurts has played this year, like, I don't think it's necessarily as big a gap as people are making it out to be. The Eagles just feel too hard for me to evaluate, to be honest. To go back to what Jared had said is, one, I'm going to give them a lot of credit. You, you, they can't control the fact that they played the Giants and the 49ers and that Josh Johnson was the quarterback at some point. You got to play who's in front of you. I thought that the the Eagles did out-scheme the 49ers. I thought that they did a, they, they were out-coached, especially with that um, one-handed catch on the sideline where they go back to the hurry-up, and it clearly wasn't a catch after you go back and mm-hmm. watch the replay. I mean, that's a coaching thing uh, with how quickly they were able to get back and just <clears throat> the fact that, they would run away from the bunch because they had a, a numbers advantage. And when, anytime they ran that bunch, they would only have three defenders to the weak side and they would run some sort of pin and pull type thing over there, over there as well. I, I think that that was all impressive. The hard part for me is just the fact that I thought Kyle Shanahan also kind of wet the bed a little bit when it came to the way he set up this team. Why is the third string tight end going one-on-one with uh, Hassan Reddick? At any point. I don't think that that's going to happen against Kansas City. I mean, I don't think that Andy Reid is going to especially watch the film and make the same mistake and, and go and do something like that. I thought that Kyle Shanahan got extremely conservative late in the game once the coach, once the quarterback started going down and they were kind of handicapped, which I understand that they couldn't take shots downfield, but I mean, like the most creative play they had was the triple op- option to flea flicker type deal like they did, they nothing did really multiple times they did multiple reverses. they did do it i think they did it on like back-to-back plays at one point but like that but how that much, was how it much and, more and do you want him to get if the quarterback <laughs> the I, he's the greatest run schemer in the nfl and he and he just didn't have any other tricks up his sleeve and at best they were running like power like they're they're not really they weren't really doing much i just look it's hard because the Eagles got so many takeaways, which is a product of both Hassan Reddick being great and Kyle Shanahan putting a tight end on him twice. Um, and um, all of that is all good and well for the Eagles. I just don't believe it's going to be as easy as it was, um, which makes it extremely hard to evaluate, which was why I would not put them as a favorite going into this game. The stage is set, and we're counting down to the battle in Arizona. There's no better way to get ready for the NFL action than with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet just $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Dan Quinn has decided to stop pursuing uh, his uh, head coaching position somewhere else. And he's going to stay with the Cowboys as a defensive coordinator once again. 
two years in a row. Maybe we can make it three next year. Mike McCarthy's job is supposedly safe, according to Jerry Jones as well. Aiden, is Mike McCarthy the best option for the Cowboys? I'm not sure it matters. It just really feels inevitable that next year the Cowboys will again be good, but not good enough to make a deep postseason run, and then they'll actually fire McCarthy. You know, there will be nowhere to hide, especially if he's calling plays. I feel like they're he's if they go down, he's going down with that ship, even if it's Dak's fault, as it was this year. Like they obviously had a good defense. There were six and points allowed. It was Dak this year that screwed it up. We've talked about his turnover issues. You know, that's what dooming them in the 49ers game, of course. And so McCarthy's fate hinges it, hinges on Dak turning it around. Um, as far as him being like the best option or not, probably not. But I think he's fine. You know, two straight 12 and five years is pretty solid. His play calling resume is pretty good. You know, he was 2006 to 2014. He was calling plays for the Packers. All but one of those teams was top 10 in points. And then after he gave up play calling duties, the team fell out of the top 10 in three of the four remaining years. So, you know, I have I have hope. I feel like he's not he's not a total dud, um, but he wasn't the problem this year. He was not what's holding them back, but that's not going to stop him from being fired if they don't meet expectations next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's McCarthy's fault much at all. Like, I think we like to rag on him a little bit, but like the track record in Dallas has been pretty good so far. And especially when this year, like a lot of it fell on Dak's performance, like like what like Aiden alluded to, they had back to back twelve and five years, and then that's up from six and ten in his first year. They've made it further every year. They made the wild card last year and lost. They made the divisional this year and lost. They had their first road playoff one in thirty years. Like I'm as much of a Cowboys hater as anyone, but I like I think this team is very clearly on a trajectory that is like decent and like you know, maybe some things fall your way. You get a like a find a gem in the draft, you get a big free agent or make a swing a trade. Like things can change pretty dramatically pretty quickly. Like just look at like the Eagles, like not to bring it back to that, but like they were like an average borderline playoff team last year with a coach who was, you know, I mean, I think people thought Sirianni was good, but not great. And then they added AJ Brown and James Bradbury and Hassan Reddick and like a bunch of other people in the off season and made the leap. Like, I don't think that's out of the question to happen to the Cowboys either, especially when they have been performing relatively well the past few years. So I think it would be a bit premature. And while I don't know if he's the best option, I think he's, like, a good option. Like, I think you you, you risk gambling on someone that's going to be significantly worse as an unknown commodity versus somebody who, like, in their role has, like, performed well, whether it was at the Packers or at the Cowboys. I Obviously, you all know that I'm a big Dak fan. He definitely has like some PR team or something like embedded in ESPN where he he really does evade a lot of criticism. It's crazy how all of it was like, should the Cowboys move on from Mike McCarthy? That was that like somehow has been the dominant offseason narrative, which I agree with you guys is like completely off base. I think letting go of Kellen Moore also was completely off base. Like if you look at the game, if you look at the game itself against the 49ers, like Dak's second interception, he literally just did not see the defense. Just threw it right at him. Didn't see the defender. I don't know what if that's on the coach, really. There was another play in the game, too, where he tried to force a throw to CD. This one was, like, parroted quite a bit. But he tried to force a throw to CD Lamb downfield, and T.Y. Hilton was literally wide open for a touch. Would have been a touchdown if he threw it there. Like, at some point, it's not coaching, and the players have to execute. And I don't see what Dan Quinn, for example, is going to do to elevate the offense. Like, the defense has been fine. And, like, so are we going to promote the defensive guy to, like, get the offense reined in or something like that. It just doesn't really make sense. And like, like if you look at 
I think Kellen Moore to the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to be like pretty scary on offense this year. Personally, if you look at Kellen Moore's tenure when he was the Dallas offensive coordinator, kind of what you were saying with McCarthy Aiden, like they finished top six, top six in points three of his four seasons, led the league in yards two of his first, uh, two of his four seasons, top eight in passing yards three four seasons, top ten in rushing yards in three four seasons, and not to mention he's the reason why Lucas and Aiden or Lucas and Wyatt are buying me a ticket to a Cowboys. I mean, like, he's he. I think he's really Kellen Moore specifically is really good, and yeah, it's just that the expectations. It's kind of like Tex, like eat like the Texas Longhorns. Like the expectations are always just like that. Seed is always like volcanic hot, volcanically hot, no matter what. Even though it's not McCarthy's fault, it's just it's gonna happen. <laughs> that they're gonna move. Jerry Jones's fault more than anybody, I would say. Yeah, we don't the the roster building is has been suspect. Dak gets paid $50 million to be, what, like a glorified game manager. Zeke is paid a lot for running back to be a glorified, like, short down, short yardage back, right? Like, their receiver's mm-hmm. situation this year was meh. Their defense, sure. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I agree with you, Aiden, with what you originally said, which is that it probably doesn't matter because ultimately this roster is just not, like, replace McCarthy, but Jerry Jones needs to take a look at himself in the mirror and ask himself whether he should still be their game, their general manager <laughs> after all these years and all these failures. Mm-hmm. But he but he never won't he'll never back down from that. And I won't say never. I mean he's he's pretty old. I imagine maybe at some point he might want to kind of <laughs> do something else. But like you said, he's Ezekiel Elliott is a twelve million dollar two yard running back. Like they use him on like third and two, third and three, second and four, whatever, to try to eat up some yards, but I mean that's about it. They traded away Mari Cooper when they clearly needed some more offenses for that weapon. And I'm not going to harp on CeeDee Lamb this episode, but I just am not super in love with everything that has happened. Um, he was a second-team All-Pro this year, what? Yeah, he was good. I don't know if he's takeover. I don't know if he's one of the best. <clears throat> I think he's really good in the it's system, the and, and it works out least, for him. Right? Isn't there two wide receiver positions? I'm making that a three, maybe. He's top six. In what, the league? Yeah, he's a second-team offense. I mean, there are definitely six <laughs> receivers who are better than him. Uh, but Mike McCarthy was never the right option. He should have been fired the minute he confessed to lying about studying analytics during the offseason two years ago when he said that he was grinding tape and checking out everything in a barn. And then Jerry Jones um, hires him, and he has an introductory press conference. He says, yeah, I never actually did any of that stuff. And the firing some of the offensive uh, coaches and firing Kellen Moore is the illusion of change. It's the illusion that things are getting better. Uh, but there is no trajectory, uh, contrary to what you said, Lucas. They have yet to win the division in back-to-back years since all the way back in 95, 96. Like, that's before we were born. We've never seen it in our entire lives, even if we are watching football. From the day that we were born to today, they have yet to win the conference in back-to-back years. Um, it's all the illusion to change, and part of the reason why Mike McCarthy was fired years ago is because he does not change. He does not, like his offense, although he was a really good play caller, he got fired because he got stale, because it didn't. nothing happened, because they were doing the same thing over and over. And I would not be optimistic for a guy who clearly cannot handle his one responsibility, which is manage the game. And now he has two jobs to do with both manage the game and call plays, and unless they go and hire some analytic expert to tell them when to take timeouts, they are going to fall flat on their face 
even in a more embarrassing fashion than they did this year, which was more embarrassing than what they did last year, which I know unless Mm -hmm. they're pumping white noise into Mike McCarthy's headset, he heard them call a quarterback sneak. Whether he was involved with it or not, he is the offensive guy. He heard them call quarterback sneak to end their season last year against San Francisco. He was like, yeah, this is a play that we practiced when they lined Zeke up at center. And he got blasted and the play was over right away. <laughs> that is that is like all-time bad for a guy okay, who's supposed to be now leading they were the sheep. Run was also not going to work. They needed 80 yards. Like, I mean, it would have been... <laughs> a Hail Mary would have worked. <laughs> the classic yeah. Hail Mary would have worked out <laughs> a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> it would have worked out way better if they had done a classic think, Hail Mary instead of lining up that... They, they had lost the game. How could you not? How could you not, Jared? If you were playing Dallas Cowboys bingo... You would have scratched off the Cowboys absolutely fumble the clock situation and they lose in an embarrassing fashion from the year before. They do this every year and, I, and I'm less optimistic that they're going to improve in, in, on Lucas's trajectory. They'll lose in the NFC title game. I don't think they'll even make it that far. Like the, It's all the illusion of change when in fact he is not capable of steering that ship. I don't believe. The Kellen Moore thing is certainly the illusion of change. I mean, we saw how quickly the Chargers snapped him up. Whereas, like, I, I received that news at the same exact time. Like, no one in their right mind seriously thinks Kellen Moore is not talented. Yeah, I would lean on the guy who led two top five offenses <clears throat> in the last five years. But what if he got stale, Wyatt? You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know who, the, you know who uh, the Cowboys need? They need to they get rid of Zeke, get Chris McCaffrey. He <laughs> <laughs> answered everybody's problem. Is he available? Why? So he can enter the longest line <laughs> of running backs who are elite and didn't win a Super Bowl? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bart, Bart sits upon Bart his running back throne. Bart is the list on his throne. wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> Say what, Aiden? You have the list on your wall, right, of every <laughs> running back. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get another year. Like, I love... Isaiah Pacheco and I love Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, <laughs> but like none of them are like game breaking running backs, really. <laughs> well, if we are a game changing podcast for you, please go ahead and subscribe. Give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. If you subscribe, it downloads the episodes automatically for you, and that really helps us out. Uh, the episode downloads. You can also continue the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore.